How are we? We good? Good, good, man. So glad that you're here. We are kicking off a new series today called Blessed, and I'm really excited about this series, and I mean, I'm always excited about every series, but I will say about this one in particular is because so often none of us fully understand the real meaning of blessing what it really means to be blessed. And so I'm so excited to kick off this series today as we talk about this subject of what it means to be blessed. And we're gonna be in two primary texts. And so if you wanna go ahead and begin to turn there, the first one is Genesis chapter 12. That's in the first part of your Bible. So if you're new to that, the very beginning, just 12 chapters in, all right? We're gonna hang there for a little bit, three verses of Genesis chapter 12. And that is the foundation for this whole series, really kind of unpacking what is in those texts. Then we'll move on to Ephesians chapter one, which is in your New Testament after the Gospels, Corinthians, Galatians, and then Ephesians. So we'll be in Genesis chapter 12, Ephesians chapter one. Before we jump into these and learn from them, let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. God, we need you to bless us. We need to fully understand what you have done, what you will do for us. Because God, we know that without you, we are nothing. We cannot even respond to your love without you, God. And so I pray and ask you to open our eyes, our ears today. God, the privilege it is to speak your word, but help me to really, to to supernaturally communicate your word, God, because it's not about what I think, because it's your words that don't return void. And so, God, I pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, like I said, was where we're going to be. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. And this is a story that then will fully unpack the meaning of. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. Let's try that again. I will what? Bless you. Bless you you is not just something we say when somebody sneezes. All right. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be what? Blessed. Blessed. You want to know where we got the series title? That's it right there. All right. So God comes to Abram and says to him to go, to travel. That word there, go, that's just what it means, to move locations. And obviously for him, it was literal, but it also can be metaphorical. And what I mean by that is this, God is taking all of us on a journey. God is taking us on a journey of faith where we have to be willing to leave where we are so that we can go and be what God wants us to go and do. And so when God came to Abram, you need to understand something. When he came to him, and I've said this before because I've talked about him several times throughout my years here, Abram was 75 years old. 75, we know from the area that, they live, that he lived in were an area of moon worshipers, so more than likely that was his religion. So God comes to a 75-year-old moon worshiper who has no kids because his wife is barren and says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. Now, if you don't think that God is a God of irony and comedy, then you haven't read your Bible. I mean, think about this. 
If homeboy at 75 hadn't had kids yet, he probably ain't going to, right? I mean, 75, that is like 10 years after what we even consider retirement in this country. So God comes to a 75-year-old who's not even worshiping him, whose wife is barren and says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. All the families of the earth shall be blessed in you. Don't you just got to think Abram's like, uh, God, uh, I don't know if you know, we can't have kids. And I think if he had asked that question, God would say, why do you think I chose you? I didn't choose you, Abram, for what you could do for me. I chose you for what I could do for you. See, when we talk about blessings, that's what we need to understand. When we talk about what it means to be blessed, it has far more to do than God's activity for us than our activity for him. Because so often, that's how we tie blessings. We tie it to our obedience. If we obey, then we are blessed. Now, I'm not saying there's not a connection there. Absolutely, yes, amen. The Bible makes that clear. You obey blessings, not cursings, right? I mean, that's just the nature of the way that works. But here's what we need to understand. The obedience that we have or that we do in order to get those blessings doesn't even come from us. It comes from him. The ability to even obey is a gift of God. So what I'm saying to you is this, God doesn't come to us and ask us to do something for him. He first and foremost comes to us and says, I will bless you. I will do for you what you've got no shot of doing for yourself. So I think God purposely chose a dude who was 75 years old and couldn't have kids to make a great nation out of. Why? So that Abraham would have no doubt where the blessing came from. So that Abraham would have no doubt. Now, I've, I've said this before, and not to bring it up to myself, but I'm just making a personal point here. I've said before that when I grew up, I couldn't hear and I couldn't communicate. My literally, literally, my parents thought that something was wrong with me mentally, which you know still remains to be seen, because I couldn't communicate. And I would get so frustrated, I would sit Indian style and just bang my head on the ground because I would speak out of my nose, not my mouth. It was weird, I'm telling you. Until they finally figured out, boy, can't hear. Fixed my hearing, then I learned how to, how to go to speech therapy. So why in the world would God take a kid who didn't even go to church, didn't even know him, who couldn't speak and make him a speaker? Because God is amazing like that. What I'm saying to you is this, for us to fully understand the nature of blessing, we need to understand that blessing is so much more than we ever thought, and God desires to bless us so much more than we ever thought. In fact, that's my point, and then we'll spend the rest of our time unpacking it, so if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. What it means to be blessed, what it means to be blessed and God's desire to bless us are greater than we ever thought. What it means to be blessed and God's desire to bless us are greater than we ever thought. See, when God came to this man named Abram and said to him, I will bless you, I will make you, God was coming to him 
with a promise. And God was saying to him, I will do for you what you could never do for yourself. And and you will be so blessed that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, just imagine what, what he thought at that moment. I mean, obviously, we know he believed him because the Bible says he left. And later tells us it was his faith that was counted to him as righteousness. He trusted God. He believed the promise. But God came to him with the promise and said, I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so when he came to him, what he's saying is, listen, Abram, you don't fully understand what it means to be blessed, and so I'm going to blow your mind with blessings. I'm going to do so much more than you could ever even ask or think to imagine, as Ephesians 3.20 tells us. So when we talk about blessings, here's what we need to understand. They're far greater, and God's desire is far greater than we ever thought. One of the greatest indictments on us of a 21st century American Christian is so often we reduce God's blessings simply to financial things or physical things. We just talk in terms of blessing that God gave us a job or God gave us a raise or God gave us a house or a car. And I'm not saying those things aren't blessings, but here's what I'm saying to you. That doesn't even scratch the surface of what really is a blessing. And so what I want us to see as we talk about what it means to be blessed, that they're far greater, deeper, and God's desire is far more. Now, flip over to Ephesians chapter one, show you what I mean by this. Ephesians, so go to your New Testament, part of your Bible, after the Gospels, after 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, which was a city. And as Paul does, he, he normally gives an intro, who he is, who it's to, but then he normally starts off with a praise. And, and sometimes Paul just busts out and they're longer than normal, which I can just relate to as a pastor. You know, sometimes you just get excited and the sermon gets extended by a few minutes, right? And you really get blessed. And so Paul does, does the same thing here in Ephesians chapter one. It just starts off and it's just one long run-on sentence. And so I want to read parts of it to you, and then we're going to break down what he's saying. So look at this, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now let's stop and and, and talk a little bit. This word here, bless, is gonna be used several times in different ways. Blessed, bless, blessings. They're all the same Greek word. And literally the Greek word is where we get our English word eulogy. Eulogy. Now the word eulogy is normally done at a funeral and what it means is to praise someone. So when you eulogize someone, you're, you're speaking praises about that person. And so what Paul is saying here, first and foremost, is God is blessed. God is praiseworthy. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What we need to understand is all blessings come from the blessed one. Or the one who is the most blessed, we should say. The one who is the greatest. The one who is the most powerful. The one who is above and beyond anything else in this universe. 
So all blessings come from him, blessed be. And then he says this, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings. Now this word here, blessed, again, speak praise over, think about the idea of what God is saying is, he is granting us, he is speaking to us favor. He is speaking to us blessing, favor, love. Literally the idea of it is this, to evoke or enact divine favor, often implying a positive disposition or kind actions towards the recipient. What this means is, In Christ, God has been good to us. He has been favorable to us. He has been kind toward us. In Christ, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now this word here, blessing, I love this too. It means a present given as a sign of gracious kindness. Now listen to this. To promote the livelihood of the recipient. So why has God blessed you with every spiritual blessing? He blessed you to increase your livelihood. Now, here's the problem with a lot of us. When we think livelihood, we automatically think income, right? Again, we think physical, we think financial. And that's a great indictment on us as 21st century Americans because What he says here, his greatest blessings are not first and foremost physical. They are not first and foremost financial. He says they are spiritual. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. The word spiritual just means of the spirit or by the spirit or in the spirit. See, what we need to understand is before there was ever a physical world, there was a spirit. And that spirit is God. Before there was ever matter, before there was ever substance, before there was ever light, before there was ever, um, you know, earth or the universe or stars, whatever it is, before there was any of that, before there was the physical realm, there was the spiritual. And so the greatest gift that God could give us don't exist simply in a physical realm. The greatest gift that we could be given by God exist outside of this realm. Because the greatest gift that God could give us, the greatest gift God could give us is not a gift from him, but it is the gift of him. Here's what I mean by that. A few amens. Remember, it's all right to amen, all right? Come on now. Sante Sana, thank you, all right? As we move on, that's Swahili for thank you, all right? So just so you know where my mind is at, all right? When we fully understand who God is, we will understand, begin to understand that the greatest gift that he could ever give us is himself. The greatest gift he could ever give us is himself. And again, this is a great indictment on us because a lot of times when we think about God or we think about heaven, we use terms that we're describing more of a place than we are a person. I want you to understand something. Jesus didn't die just to get you to a place. Now, is heaven a place? Yes, I'm not saying it's not. And the Bible used descriptions of it. it, it you know, mansions, streets of gold, which I just think is awesome. And we'll get into this more as the series progress. God's like, why are y'all so infatuated with gold? That is asphalt, man. That's concrete. That's what we walk on up here. 
But it's not just a place. Yes, streets of gold, pearly gates, all that stuff. Peter's not at the gates, though, by the way. God is, all right? But, but when we talk about it, you know, we're talking about no more pain, no more tears, all those kinds of things. Get to see our family members. That's great. Get to see your dead dogs. Hey, that's great, too. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus didn't die to get you to a place. Jesus died to get you back to a person. Look at how... Look at how Paul says it next in verse five and six. It says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. To himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has, what's that word there? Blessed us in the beloved. That word there, beloved, notice it's a capital B. That's not a mistake. That's a reference to Jesus. He is the beloved son. So what is Paul saying here? Why is Paul breaking out in eulogy? Why is he saying God is so blessed? The reason why he's saying God is so praiseworthy is because God has been such a blessing to us. And the blessing that God has been to us is through Christ, he got us back to himself. Here's what we need to understand. When we talk about Easter, and we're like in a dead sprint to Easter, right? It's coming up in a few weeks. When we talk about Easter, What we need to understand is Easter wasn't God solving our problem as much as it was God solving his problem. And what was his problem? His problem was he had a bunch of kids he couldn't enjoy. His problem was he had a bunch of children that were wayward, a bunch of children that said, give us our inheritance, we're going. We don't want you, we wanna leave and do it on our own. So God had billions and billions of children that had walked away from him, and so he sent Jesus, his son, to solve his problem of getting them back because he couldn't be in their presence and they couldn't be in his unless they were holy. And so what you need to understand when we talk about blessing is the greatest blessing God could ever give you is not physical, it's not financial, it's spiritual in that he is bringing you back in relationship to him. I love how Piper says that God is the gospel. What that means is this, God is the good news. The good news is you don't just get his gifts, you get the giver. The good news is you get God. And so when he's talking about he has blessed us in uh, in Christ with every spiritual blessing, he says this, in the heavenly places. Sorry, front row people. You don't get spit on today. All right. Yes, that's why they're covered. That's right. No, they're not. But he blessed us in the heavenly places. What does that mean? That means there was a a disconnect between us and heaven, a disconnect between us and him. And now through Christ, the connection has been restored so that even though we're here, it's like we're already there because now we're in Christ. Then he uses this phrase, and I love this phrase. He says, adoption. He adopted us to himself as sons. See, some of you may know this story, but my wife and I, we adopted our daughter. Our son was biological, And then our daughter, we adopted. She was born the exact same day, December 5th, 2009, that I got this job. And God used her birth to tell us to come here. But here's the amazing thing about adoption. My daughter is not biologically of us. Because when you're biologically of us, right, my son has all the rights of what it means to be my son. 
But here's the amazing thing. My daughter, even though she's not biologically of us, we chose her, we adopted her, we brought her in. So guess what? She has all the same rights that he has. She's just as much a child of ours as he is. And what is he saying? He's saying that Jesus Christ, the son of God, who has the status of inheritance of his father because of what he did for us, you and I now have been adopted in and we have the same status as Jesus. We are his son just as much as Jesus is. We are a part of his family just as much as Jesus is. And so adoption is about a status change. Adoption is about entrance into a family, and now my daughter is a daughter of a father. And now she has the full rights of what it means to be a part of our family. And so what I'm saying to you is this, when we talk about the blessing of God, why do you think he, he, why do you think he called himself a father? He didn't have to choose that word, but he did. Why? Because he wants us to understand something. The way that you and I love our kids, if you have a kid, pales in comparison to how he loves us. But it gives you a small glimpse of what it means. See, God had a bunch of kids he couldn't enjoy. So he sent Jesus. You need to understand, Jesus did it willingly. Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. If I lay it down, I can pick it up again. What does that mean? It means that the son of God became a son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. And so sonship, ladies, don't be offended by that. I'm not saying you're a man. What I'm saying is you now have the status of the son. That's what sonship means. You are now a child of God. And if you're a child of God, then God is your inheritance. Everything that he is, he is now for you in Christ. He did everything that he did so that you and I could fully understand who he is and enjoy him. What it means to be blessed, man, is so much more than just physical or financial. It means we get back into a relationship with God. You don't have to turn there, but you can, but just flip one page over. It'd be Galatians chapter three. It's right there, very close to Ephesians chapter one. It's here on the screen. I want to read this to you. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the, what's that word there? The blessing. Now listen to this. The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You don't want to know why I had you read Genesis chapter 12 while we started there? Because what God is saying is the same blessing that he gave to Abraham now in Christ comes to you. I will bless you. I will make you. How does that work? How that works is Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins. If you know the story of Abraham, and I'll just give it to you quickly, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He finally gives him a kid, the promised kid, Isaac. And then in Genesis 22, God tells him, go sacrifice your son. Imagine that one. So Abraham says, all right. He gets his son, he gets the firewood, they go up to the mountain. Isaac, who is a perceptive individual, says, hey dad, there's the firewood, where's the sacrifice? And then Abram 
Abraham says this amazing thing. I think it's in verse nine of chapter 22. And he says, God will provide for himself the sacrifice. And then he gets there and he puts Isaac on the altar. Just imagine what that was like. And then the Bible says this. He was bringing down his knife to slaughter his son. And God spoke to him and says, now I know you love me. Because you didn't withhold your own son from me. And then at that moment, there was a ram in the thicket. And the ram took his son's place for the sacrifice. What does that mean? You know what that means? That God was saying, listen, Abraham, I'm not asking you to bring the knife down on your son because I'm going to bring the knife down on my own son. See, Jesus is the greater Isaac. Jesus is the promised offspring. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter three. It wasn't about Isaac. It was about through that line, Jesus would come. So Jesus is the sacrificial lamb who took our place for our sin and God brought down his knife of judgment on him so that in him, our curse could be absolved so that the blessing he gave to Abraham could come to us. You see what I'm saying when I'm talking about blessing? And so when we talk about, oh, I don't know if I can trust God with my finances. I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can do what he says. I love how Paul says it in Romans chapter eight, and we'll get into this more next week. He says this, don't you think who he who did not spare his own son will not graciously give you all things? God's saying, you don't think I can help you pay your bills? You don't think you can trust me with your finances? You don't think you can trust me with your marriage? You don't think you can trust me with your sex life? You don't think you can trust me with your time? I gave you my son. How will I not also graciously give you all things? The greatest thing I could have ever given you, I've already given you. I love how Matthew 6, says it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things I'll add to you too. What are those things? Clothing, food. Shelter. You think God's up in heaven like, oh, they got needs. Come here, Jesus. Come here, Holy Spirit. How are we going to do this? Man, I'm worried. No. I think God is up in heaven saying, you want to know if you can trust me? Look at my son. You want to know if I love you? Look at my son. You want to know if I'm for you? Look at my son. I love how Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, all the promises of God are a yes in him. So God's answer to you is yes. His answer to you is yes. And what I mean by that, you're like, oh, sweet. He's going to answer every prayer. Yes. No, here's what I need to understand. His answer to you is yes in him. So what that means is every promise he made you in him, Christ secured the payment for it. And now it's a yes. You say, well, why hasn't he given me this that I've asked for? Why hasn't he done this that I asked for? Maybe, just maybe, if he gave you that blessing, you would use that as your worship. You would look to that blessing. You would look to that gift more than you would the giver. Listen, my friends, God's not playing games with you. He's not withholding from you. He has given you the greatest gift, which is himself in the sacrifice of his son. Will he not graciously give you all things? But I'm gonna tell you something. 
He won't give you something that you will then turn to an idol and worship it instead of him. Job said he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How does all that work? I don't know. But here's what I know. We can't for one second think that God is going to withhold any good thing from us that is necessary for us. Because he didn't withhold the one thing that was the most necessary, which was our salvation. Blessing is so much more than you ever thought. And God's desire to bless you is so much greater than you ever thought. Look back at Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 and 14. We're almost done. And no, that's not a pastor joke for like, you got 20 minutes left. I mean it, all right? Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 and 14. Listen to how Paul wraps this section up, this eulogy. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Paul's saying, listen, God loves you so much that he not only sent his son for the sacrifice, he sent his spirit to seal it. And now the Holy Spirit the seal of the Holy Spirit, that's a branding term. The idea of it is, is we are now owned by him. We are his. The seal of the Holy Spirit is what creates belief in us. He said, man, I just struggle with believing that God can come through. I struggle with believing that God is good. I struggle with all this. Well, guess what? God loved you so much that not only he sent his son, but he sent you his spirit. And that word there, spirit, when he says, look back, he says he gave it as a guarantee. That word means down payment. Down payment. Let me say it to you like this. You think walking with the Holy Spirit right now is good? You wait till you get all three. You have those times like we had today when you're in worship and you just feel the Holy Spirit and you love that and you just can feel him moving. I think God's saying that's just a foretaste of glory divine. I gave you a down payment. The Holy Spirit is here and he sealed you and he is there to create belief in you. And when you believe that, that that's just a down payment of your inheritance to come until you acquire possession of it. Wow. So any moments of goodness that you have on this earth are simply just an appetizer of what's to come. So you say, how can I believe? You believe by the Spirit. And it's in your believing. It's in your believing that the blessing comes. My last point. Being blessed comes from believing. Being blessed comes from believing. I told you that God will take us on a journey. And generosity is no different. When we talk about generosity, I need you to understand something. It is a journey, and God is going to take you on a generosity journey, but you'll never take the journey without faith, without believing that God's promises are true. 
And we'll get into this next week when he says to Abraham, I bless you so that you will be a blessing. See, it's in being a blessing we prove that we show that we understand we're blessed. I was blessed so that the blessing wouldn't stop with me, but that it would go through me to all the families of the earth. And that's a journey, my friend. But that journey is going to take belief. It's going to take faith. And my whole point of starting off this series this way is first and foremost for you to understand that when you get how generous God has been to you, you'll have no problem taking that journey. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Yes, for what you've done, but most importantly for who you are. We were fatherless. We were spiritual orphans. And you sent your son to become a curse for us so that the blessing you had promised to Abraham could come to us. And that is shown now by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. God, your desire to bless us is so much more than we ever thought. You are seeking for people to bless. You are seeking people to believe in your son. And you're creating belief. The amazing news about the gospel is before we ever sinned, you had already made a way to bring us back. You had already predetermined that in Christ we would be adopted. And so before we ever made a decision to walk away from you, you had already determined how you were going to get us back. Because you love us that much. And so God, I pray for anybody in the house or watching or listening who has never trusted Jesus who has never heard the gospel and believed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God being preached. And so God, right now, as those who have heard it, if they've never trusted, I pray that you would open their eyes and save them. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close. Right now, you can receive every spiritual blessing in Christ and be reconnected into a relationship with God. If you'll just simply respond in faith. So if there's never been a point in time in your life where you've trusted Jesus to save you, right there where you are, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. If you wanna trust Jesus for the first time, and be saved. It goes like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me that you sent your son in my place for my sin. 
I trust in Jesus. Thank you so much for loving me that you adopted me into your family. My status has now changed. I'm a child of God. Nobody looking around or talking again, if you just prayed that, we wanna know about it, man. We like to celebrate. It's just like a baby being born. When a Christian is born, we get excited around here. So we wanna know that and celebrate with you. So if you just trusted Christ, would you just simply lift your hand? Just lift it up, show us, thank you. Lift it up just for a second. We got some men and women gonna walk around, put a gift in your hands, a Bible from us. We want you to have a good Bible. When you get that, you can put your hand down. But then those of us who would say we've trusted Christ, but you're just struggling with believing that he could actually come through on his promise. I want you to understand that God does not withhold any good thing from you that is necessary for you. His desire to bless you is so much greater than you ever thought. And any commands that he's given you, he gave them to you to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. Now, yes, we still live in a sinful, fallen world and we still die and bad things still happen, but you need to understand something. That one day, when Christ returns, his blessings of the spiritual and the physical will find its full consummation and he will undo any wrong thing that was done to you. And he will raise your body and you will live forever with him. So regardless of what happens to us today, be reminded that if God is for you, who can be against you? Will he not also give us graciously all things. God, I pray that as same way that you created faith in those who trusted you for the first time, that you would continue to create faith in us who have trusted you, but we're just struggling. Help us to know, God, that you love us more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. You want to bless us, but your blessings are so much more than we could see. And in response to your blessing, God, help us to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.